All right, welcome to this week's Extra Innings Podcast from the Seattle Times. I'm Mariners beat writer Ryan Divish. Yes, we're back. Uh, and only like, I don't know, seven days later or whatever it was since the last time we recorded this. Uh, I think it's special circumstances of the trade that the Mariners made today. They acquired David Phelps, a right-handed uh, reliever from the Marlins for four players. Brian Hernandez, uh, Brandon Miller, uh, pa- Pablo Lopez, and Lucas Schiraldi. The last three guys are pitchers. Uh, they're all minor league guys. Nobody's been above double A that I believe. Uh, so they're just, they're all pretty young kids. Uh, basically the whole gist of of what they're going to do with Phelps is be another power right-handed guy. He's got a high strikeout rate, um, you know, fastball 94, 95, former starter so he can go multiple innings. Um, Larry and I did a, did a interview, whatever you want to call it, a little later, and we kind of discussed his role, which I think will be helping to bridge the gap between the sixth and seventh inning. Uh, we recorded this on, on um, we recorded Larry and I talking before the game on Thursday. I'm actually doing this open now after the game. So uh, the Mariners lost 4-1. Luis Severino was amazing. I mean, you knew he threw hard, but he was outstanding tonight. Um, fastball slider, really. It was kind of like a young Felix and how hard he threw and how explosive everything was. Look, Jerry Davis was terrible behind the plate. He didn't, He just could not physically handle the velocity with which Luis Severino was throwing. He didn't understand what a strike was and wasn't. It was just not good umpiring. But, you know, this isn't new in baseball. The umpiring is bad. Uh, and they have done nothing to fix it. Rob Manfred... You know, he's more worried about pace of play than actually getting play right, whatever. Um, so, uh, you know, other thoughts from that. You know, the Mariners had some opportunities still against Severino. They had, I think, seven or eight hits against him. They just couldn't cash in and get a hit with runners in scoring position. The big inning was where Kyle Seeger and Danny Valencia get on with back-to-back hits. You have runners first and third, nobody out, and they don't get anything out of it. You know, uh, the... the Mitch Haniger pops up. I try to think who else. Dyson pops up. It just didn't. It didn't happen, and you need to make plays like that. And then so Felix Hernandez, who I thought looked really good tonight, um, gives up one homer to Brett Gardner. It changed everything. Now I will say this: Felix, that's two out of three starts that are pretty solid, where he's, you know, had a really crisp changeup with a lot of downward movement, was able to spot his curveball, and really was able to locate and command stuff. And, you know, maybe that's he's starting to figure it out, that this is who he needs to be and this is what he needs to do. We'll wait and see. Um, but, you know, I'm sure that's a positive in a lot of regards, even though they lost the game, is that Felix gave them, you know, seven really good innings tonight. And, and you'll take that against a team that does have some, some pop. So, um, you know, look, they weren't going to win every game on this homestand. Larry and I in our discussion later, discuss what would be an optimal homestand for them in terms of record and what wouldn't. But, um, you know, it, it just, they lost tonight. They got beat. I mean, they didn't play great. You know, Robbie Cano's error late hurt them. You know, when you're down 2 nothing after Pezos and, and Zick combined to give up a run, then you, you have to play it differently. Uh, and you bring Povsey in instead of, you know, somebody else. And Nick Vincent and Edwin Diaz were not available tonight. So they were playing with a limited pen. But, We'll see what they're like the rest of the series. I felt like beating Severino was going to be the toughest challenge out of the rest of them. So um, without further ado, we'll get to Larry and me talking about the trade and also discussing 
whether or not the Mariners should get another starting pitcher. Uh, Larry wrote a column about that as well. It's going to be in Friday Seattle Times. So uh, we'll get to that. Also, before we do that, what I did because of, um, you know, Larry and I discussed all this stuff before we talked with Service or Depoto. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and put the the audio of us talking to Jerry Depoto uh, about the trade, about the trade deadline, about prospects. There's some interesting stuff in there, so I, I really think you might like that. So before we get to <clears throat> Larry and I, we'll listen to the Jerry Depoto media gathering, and then after that we'll go to Larry and I discussing kind of the breakdown. Of the Once again, thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. Tested both as a starter and a reliever. Uh, the last two years as primarily a, a reliever. I think started some games in August of 2016, but otherwise has been under the radar good. He is averaging roughly 94-95 with his fastball. Has averaged about 11 strikeouts per nine over his last 134 innings. Is among the, the hold leaders in Major League Baseball over that course of time, opening day 2016 to present. He's versatile. He can go multiple innings. He can start. He has real stuff. It's a it's a mid nineties fastball with a well above average curveball and a cutter that's really become a weapon for him. And it allows him to, to face both the lefts and the rights. He's a, he's a nice guy to have on hand. And from what I understand, a real pro in the clubhouse too. Would you look at him in the rotation down the road at all? I mean, is that a- uh, it's possible. I can't say right now that it's it's crossed our minds for 2017, but it's not something that we didn't consider while we were making the trade as a possibility. What can he bring to your bullpen in terms of the role or how you would use him? I know you guys have tried to find that bridge from the 6th to the 7th, and it's been you know kind of trial and error with some guys. Uh, really anything Scott needs. He becomes perhaps the most versatile reliever we have down there in some ways because he has the physical ability to go more than one inning. He also has the ability to face both the lefts and the rights, and he has the physical stuff to get strikeouts, uh, either in a critical situation with runners on base or – just get, getting through toward the end of the game with that one. The four guys you gave up, Jerry, were they, was that tough to pull the trigger on? Uh, it's always tough to trade yeah. prospects. Everybody thinks their guys are better yeah. than, than anybody else does. So, mm-hmm. you know, we hold our guys in a higher esteem than most other teams do. But, you know, that's the going rate, as, as I understand it. And, and frankly, since executing the deal, I think there were probably as many as a dozen teams that were in on David Phelps. So, you know, it was uh, – and different teams value or evaluate players differently. So – uh, obviously, Hernandez, the three pitchers, it, it puts a little bit of a hole in the depth in our system. None of them were particularly close to the big leagues, and I would say all four we qualified as being higher risk type prospects in some way, shape, or form. So we're, we're trading risk for certainty, and we're trading at what is perhaps future surplus for present need. Yeah, yeah, I was also your, or outfield depth in your organization has improved considerably over the last year. Does, does that allow you to make moves like that when you've gotten guys that have started to kind of produce at all levels? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it, yes and no. I, I can't say that that's the first thought that comes to mind when you're talking about a 19-year-old in Everett. But, mm-hmm. you know, it is you want to build up as much depth and cachet as you can. But so much has to go. You know, generally speaking, the average major leaguer debuts at age 24. 
So over the course of what we're looking at is over the course of the next five years, are we able to put something in place to fill the void that we left by moving Brian Hernandez and, and meeting up with our major league team? And over the course of that time, we're fairly certain that injury aside or underperformance aside, we're pretty well positioned with guys like Gamble and Hanniger and Heredia and Dyson and, and O'Neill and Lewis, etc. We, we are in a pretty good place there. So uh, where Brian Hernandez would have fit with the Mariners, I'm not entirely sure, but we do have five years now to figure out how to fill that void in the organization. Jerry, in the, in the conversations you're having with, with other teams, how, I guess, where does, where does having controllability beyond this year rank in your importance? Uh, very high, very high. It might be a little bit different if we were positioned like the Astros are positioned today. But, uh, you know, we are competing for a wild card spot by and large. You know, it's, it's not going to be very easy to catch the Astros at this point for anybody, my, ourselves or anyone else. And uh, I don't think we're fooling ourselves into believing we're going to make three magic acquisitions and, and hunt them down. But we can make acquisitions that help us for the here and now and through 2018. So that has been a primary focus is finding players that are sustainable, that can be a part of what we're doing. We still have a need for David Phelps in 2018. You know, now moving forward with guys like Diaz, with Vincent, with Phelps, with Pazos, with Zepchinski, people who are in place for multiple years, that's really appealing to us. And we're going to continue to pay attention to that. And we will continue to try to find pitching that is both sustainable and, and perhaps long-term in its, in its core. We want to find guys that can be a part of what we're doing and grow with because that is an area of weakness in the organization. You said uh, several times before that this is one of two times that you can have access to starting pitching. Does this change uh, at all what you might be doing during this, this period, one of these two? Uh, it, it does and it doesn't. You know, we have we have been ear to the street. We have talked to every team in the league regarding starting pitching, and the, the demand greatly exceeds the supply. And as a result, the asking price. You want to see? If you think we gave up a lot to get David Phelps? <laughs> uh, you know, the starting pitching market is particularly high in, in what the the asking prices are in return, and and we're going to be realistic in what we can afford to to let go. And, and if we are to give away the types of of uh, I guess asks that are being required requested in return for starting pitching, we want someone who is not just sustainable for 2017, but for the foreseeable future. And the only time that we are likely to move what we think are our premium prospects is if we are getting a guy who we think fits in our rotation, not just for one year, probably not just for a year and a half, but more along the lines of multiple years out. What about a rental that would cost you much less, though? Would that be something you'd consider? Or... Uh, it would if the rental cost much less, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think that's true. Okay. Jerry, how do you look at, uh, from an innings management standpoint, looking into September, from what's happened with your injuries and, and your usage of 30 pitchers, how do you think you're setting up at this point for a race? I mean, in, in theory, we should be fresher than most. But we are, you know, one of the reasons why we value David so much is, you know, here this last six days, I guess, coming out of the break is, is very reflective of, of when you are winning games, when you are playing well, and your starters are not getting into the sixth, seventh inning of the game as regularly as you would like, you really have to depend on that bullpen to carry a heavy load. And they have. We played a couple extra inning games on that road trip. We played a lot of close games that required Eddie and Nick Vincent and Ciszek and, you know, Pazos was in there frequently. Tony Zick was in there a lot. We need to be aware of how much we're using those guys, and David Phelps can help ease the load. And I won't say we won't keep our, our eye on the other potential. You know, Emilio Pagan threw, threw a handful of innings in that, that road trip. We need to keep our eye on other guys who can come in and, and perhaps help that. 
both internally and externally. You know, Emilio's done a great job. Dan Altavilla has been here periodically. Obviously, Max Posey's back today, and we have a we have a variety of guys internally that we can go to. But we'd like to find someone who fits now, and we can start growing with in a more impactful way. Jerry, the white guy who was pitched out the pen, putting him back in the rotation, it's That's almost good. like getting another starter at this point. You know, Giovanni, for we sent him to the to the bullpen, and it would have been very easy with his service and, and history in the game to, to pout. He didn't do it. He he went and he dealt for 11, 12 innings in the bullpen. I think a sub one ERA, and, and the league was hitting 130 against him. Very convincing in what he was doing. The stuff is has always been there. You know, the performance wasn't there much in the first half, but the stuff's always been there. And now we're starting to see the, the results. And he deserves another opportunity. He earned it. And he's, uh, he's one of our most experienced starters. So rather than go out on the market and, and overpay for what we don't think is, is an incredibly uh, likely upgrade, why wouldn't we first explore what we have in-house? Because that could be all the upgrade we need. Jerry, how important was that these six games coming out of the break? You were disappointed with the way you guys went into it to come out and play this way. How important was that for you? Uh, really important. You know, it's, a, it's created a good environment. There's, uh, I think you guys are around the club every day. It's a, there's been a lot of energy in our clubhouse. The players are playing hard. And, uh, you know, Scott, the staff are all upbeat. It's, it's, it's fun to be around. But, you know, I've been saying from the, from the get-go, we weren't really positioned to buy or sell. That's, that's not really what this year's about. We were kind of buyers of opportunity. And, you know, like I just mentioned Angie with the, the acquisition of David Phelps, we would have done that regardless. We were 10 games back or a game and a half back. You know, it's a, it makes sense for us. He's 30 years old. He's very good, and he fills a need for us not just this year but next. So, you know, this wasn't naturally about us getting off to a, a solid one-week start to, to see whether we were going to go by. We, we were determining how best to make decisions for the present and future. And I've been more just like how much you wanted to see them play, play yeah. better. Yeah. <laughs> That's it, and I, the guys have played great. And you know, truly, I was with the club the whole road trip. There was there was not a day where they, they didn't prepare well. They were it was high energy from the get go. Smiles all around. And it's 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 easy when you when you go and, and beat good teams in their ballparks to smile. And our guys were smiling. Jerry, are, are teams still feeling the situation out, or, or teams now declaring that they're buyers or sellers with nine days left, or whatever? Yeah, I don't. I don't really think that the buyer or seller. It's, it's getting to be a little outdated. Yeah. Like that philosophy mm -hmm. is a little outdated. And uh, th there is no more clear cut. We will buy or we will sell. But you know, you mentioned. I know Art mentioned rentals. You know, mm -hmm. if, it, teams as they get closer to the deadline will move the rentals. Mm -hmm. And you know, if you want to stay patient and you want to just wait, you might be able to get a rental for less than 100% of the value. But uh, it's a you're still going to pay somewhat a premium for a short-term buy. Mm -hmm. And I, I think there are enough teams that are still in it, particularly in the American League, and there are enough teams that are close enough to it in the National League. And there are enough teams <laughs> that, that are, quite frankly, rebuilding and don't have a lot of assets to trade that it leaves very few uh, what you would call sellers left on the market. We're doing this thing a little differently today. Instead of over the phone on Skype, Larry didn't have to have his son set up a Skype account or anything like that. We're doing it live from Safeco Field. I, I did have my son set it up just in case. <laughs> Thank God I don't have to use it. <clears throat> yeah, so we're in the media room at Safeco Field, and uh, we figure we'll record this here. It's easier, and then we'll um, I'll post it. But obviously because we're doing a podcast with 
there was we we're going to do one anyways coming off the road trip where the Mariners went five and one. But then the news of the day: Mariners acquire uh, right-hander David Phelps for four prospects. Brian Hernandez, outfielder, is the most notable, and then three pitchers, uh, all right-handed: Brandon Miller, Lucas Schiraldi, and, and Pablo Lopez. Um, did you know any of those guys? <laughs> well, Chiraldi, just because I covered his dad, uh, Calvin Chiraldi, with the Mets and the and the Red Sox, so that name always uh, stuck stuck with me. But the other two guys, no, I don't know who they were. Wasn't he supposed to be the guy in that in the '86 in the infamous '86 series that was gonna? Did he start the game seven or what did he I do? I think yeah, he had a big role in. I think he did start the the, the game seven. They, everybody forgets that they actually played another game after yeah. the Buckner game. <laughs> I, that seems yeah. to be forgotten exactly okay so what are your thoughts initially on the trade well uh i, I thought it was a good trade uh you know they, they need to beef up the bullpen this gives them another arm i think at this stage of the season depth in the bullpen is going to be huge down the stretch and you look at his numbers for the last couple of years they've been really good uh, as far as what what they gave up, I'm not going to even pretend to say I know. Uh, you know, judging by what you wrote and the scouts you talked to and the people I know, uh, I don't think they gave up anybody that's going to haunt them like an Adam Jones. You know, the, the 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 Hernandez guy is the best of the bunch. And but the Mariners are set uh, are deep in outfielders. They can afford to give up a promising 19 year old outfielder who, if he's going to be good, won't be good for another four or five years. So. Uh, you know, you're not going to get a guy like Phelps for nothing. So I think it was a good trade. Yeah. So in talking with some scouts um, about Brian Hernandez, who is the, the the marquee piece in that deal? He's 19. He's a center fielder. He, if you look at his strikeouts to walk ratio, it's about four strikeouts for every walk. He's a young kid, just really all tools. They signed him as a uh, international signing at 16 years old. So he's been around a while. He just he just kind of a, really hasn't established himself. He's still very raw, and as one scout told me, he's not terrible, but he's just not very good either. So, you know, could it haunt the Mariners? Maybe if this kid figures out, sure. But at the same time, the Mariners have a finite amount of times where they can kind of go for a postseason spot. This is one of those times they have an exact need of why they need David Phelps, and they kind of addressed it. I thought you've seen it before, and we've talked about it. When Jerry decides he wants a guy for a certain role, he just goes and gets him, yeah. and he just goes, okay, what do you want for it? <laughs> it's, I mean, it's kind of a, a smart way to deal. He's not trying to win the trade and make it seem like he got a landslide. He's like, I want this piece that helps my team. How do we make it work? Yeah, and what I find interesting is, you know, the Mariners are reputed to have a, a, a weak farm system, and I think they do, and yet he seems to find prospects to trade. I mean, how many prospects has he traded over the years since, he, or you know, the two years that he's been here? So uh, he's maximizing what he has, I think. And uh, yeah, you know, that decisiveness—that's that, a good trait. I mean, you know, the Mirrors had Stan Pat Gillick, who was a great GM. You can't ever take away what he did, but uh, you know, there were times when they needed somebody at the at, at the trade deadline, and they they didn't get him. Uh, you know. Last year, I think maybe Jerry could have done been a little bit more aggressive. Uh, to, to, they only needed a couple more wins to get in, and you know, I think the only real move they made was uh, uh, they got Drew Storen for uh, uh, Joaquin Benoit. Joaquin Benoit. That was just kind of a wash trade, and then they they traded uh, um, yeah. Wade Miley for Miranda, which turned out to be a, a good trade yep. uh, that helped them. But you know they. They, they had some other needs that they didn't address. But this year, I think, you know, the, the window is 
closing <laughs> ever so slowly but steadily. So this is one of those years. I think what the way they played after the All Star break sort of increased the urgency, wouldn't you say? I mean, if they'd lost six out of, five out of six instead of one, um, then uh, then they'd probably have a whole different mode. But now they're they're as close as can be, and it's, I think it's time to go for it, be aggressive, and that's what he's doing. Yeah, I mean, I think they they could have made even if they lost a bunch, they could have still made this move because you're not giving up huge pieces, and because David Phelps in a very typical Depoto move is under club control for next year. He's not a free agent after the 2018 season, mm-hmm. so you have him next year for your bullpen in a role. And and we discussed this. David Phelps has, has starting experience. Perhaps they de- deem him a starter. I I do know this. DePoto loves Chris Davinsky of the Astros. He loves that guy mm-hmm. that can bridge the fifth, sixth, and seventh multiple innings and you know can get strikeouts. He tried Max Posey at that spot. Uh, he wanted Nathan Carnes to be that guy last year. So maybe David Phelps is kind of the guy that fits that role. Maybe they extend him to be a starter next year, but uh, right now that's it's kind of where he's at. I think he'll be that bridge guy from the sixth and seventh. Uh, and, and go from there. I was doing some research. The Mariners played 96 games this year. 50 games they've gone. They've had their starter go five innings or less. 50. And they've had 71 games total where they went six or less. So they need that guy. And Dan Altavilla really didn't do a very good job at it. You know, Emilio Pagan is still pretty young. They don't have that guy. And I don't know that Steve Ciszek is a multiple inning guy or a guy that can do it often. So Phelps fits that role. And the other thing is, is, is the cumulative toll that that takes. Because each one of those starts that you talked about is uh, has taxed the bullpen, and that's going to be a factor down the stretch. So by having a guy like Phelps, who may be a little bit fresher, it just gives them more depth where you don't have to overuse the guys that they have, as, you know, as they probably have done so this year out of necessity. And it, it does get you to their power arms. They do have a pretty good set of power arms in the back end, as we saw in the on this road trip. I think the the perfect scenario where you go, uh, you know, Vincent Ciszek, uh Diaz. Um, you know, that's that's the way you draw it up. And you've got, uh, you know, you've got a couple of other guys, uh, Zick and Zipchinski, uh, and even. Uh, Pazos to, 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 you know, it's not a bad bullpen right now. It's, it's pretty, it's deep, it's got power, and, um, you know, it's, it's maybe a little weak on the left side, but I, th- I think it plays. Well, yeah, it, basically, you, when you can actually slot your bullpen up and play matchups and stuff, mm-hmm. which they've never been able to do because none of their starters go deep enough, when you finally see what they can do, it looks pretty good. Um, yeah, so I, I think. They'll, I don't know that they'll add any more bullpen pieces. I still think they're holding out hope for Shea Simmons. You know, Pagan has been useful. I still think he'll be sent down when Phelps gets here. Um, and we'll go from there. There was Just as we're recording this, hmm. they made a roster move. Uh, they sent down Sam Gavilio and, and called up Max Posey. Now, we haven't got to talk to Scott Service yet. This is We're recording this about, what, 2 o'clock. Scott talks to me at 3.20. My guess is either Povzi or Giovanni Gallardo moves back into the rotation or they're bringing in another guy and Povzi's here until that guy gets here. Uh, you're writing today about what? Well, you know, I'm going to sort of see what everybody has to say, but I think I'm going to write that they need to go get another arm, mm-hmm. uh, a starting arm. Uh, I think we saw, you know, the dangers of going with uh, um, the two young guys in the, in, in the rotation right now. Um, in a in a pennant race, they've done they've done fine, but I think you need a seasoned, reliable veteran arm. 
to to take it the rest of the way. Gavilio in particular, I think, is being you know I've heard you say this on a couple of radio shows is being maybe figured out a little bit, a little ex- exposed. You, you know, you, you maybe you milked what you can out of him. His last couple of starts haven't been good, and and you can't you can't have four or five inning starts every time. Um, so yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see what the, the the move is. Maybe they're leaving themselves a little flexibility. It, you know, maybe maybe he's working on a trade, but it's not done. So if it doesn't come to fruition, then you could put Gallardo back in the rotation. But you know, I kind of like Gallardo in the. Maybe that's his niche at this stage of his career is sort of the uh, uh, long the, the long long guy. Yeah, that he's been great at that, and even in a, a little short work, he's been he was pretty good the other day. Yeah, because he, he he always has the one batting every start. If you limit the number yeah. of innings he pitches, maybe it's, and maybe the, they could start Posey. I believe Posey it was extended a little bit at Tacoma, so maybe they'll start him there. That's you know they have some possibilities, but I, I do think, and and knowing Depoto, he is looking to add a starting arm. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't think that they believe they can go forward with these other guys that way. Um, and so and you know and Iwakumo's out earlier, loosening up. He's I don't expect him back till September if at all. So yeah, you can't you can't just throw him into a pennant race. No, and you can't most of the season. You can't really expect anything from yeah. him. He wasn't very good before he got yeah. hurt. So I think you maximize whatever you got out of Iwakuma last year and now you're just going to go um, so any other thoughts on the starting pitcher? I know look I don't think they're going to get Justin Ver- I I can't sit there and say definitively. I'd be stunned. Like eat my hat stunned if they went out and got Justin Verlander, Sonny Gray, or Garrett Cole. I don't think Garrett Cole's going to be traded. I mean, the because the, the, they're making a run the right now. The Pirates have won nine out of eleven. They're I think two and a half out. They, I mean, how can you? Yeah, you can't do it now. It's fans? the Jason Vargas effect. You can't do that. No, and I think Sonny Gray is the. There's so many teams in on him that the Mariners aren't going to be able to compete. And I'm not sure if, if Billy Bean would trade within the division. Oh, he might see Houston though. Yeah, that that's true. If he gets enough, I don't think he cares. Um, you know, this is uh, Jerry has said he doesn't want to get a rental, but. I don't see the problem with getting a rental for for this situation oh, yeah. that that they're in. If if you're not going to get somebody with club control, you you need a guy for the last two months, and you're not going to have to give up much for a rental. So, why not just get one and then deal with your pitching? You know, there's plenty of opportunity to get more arms because in the off season you're dealing with 30 teams instead of maybe 10 right now that don't think they're in the pennant race. But that changes when the season's over. Yeah, exactly. Depoto mentioned there's like two windows this time and in the off season. Also, you know, yeah. A rental like Trevor Cahill from the Padres, mm-hmm. it's not going to cost you a ton in prospects, and it's not going to cost you a ton of money. Right. So I, I think that's the kind of guy, you know, if, if there was a young, controllable guy that was going to be around for two or three more years that they felt like was a solid number four or five guy that they felt, sure, that you can go that route as well. But if they have to go rental, that's fine as long as, it, you know, I don't see them going Samarja picking up that contract. No. I'd be stunned. It's a bad contract. Yeah, I mean, same with Johnny Cueto. Yeah. Um, Who can opt out after, like... Yeah, yeah, that's... I just don't... I don't see them ponying up for... Maybe, maybe if it was a sure thing guy, uh, but for, for a guy who hasn't been very good and, and has a lot of money, uh, and why... why I mean, you might be messing yourself up for next year instead of setting yourself up. You might be saddling yourself with such a contract that you can't build around it. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not going to say the Mariners are poppers by any means, but they're on the hook for $57 million for Felix Hernandez, too, as well. So, I mean, for two more years. Right. So, like, 
throwing another $28 million contract on there, I think that's what he's getting to. It's, yeah. it's really bad. I mean, so. the Giants, I'm sure the Giants would have to eat a lot of that money. And they, you know, they're the richest, they're as rich as any team in baseball. Yeah. So they have the means to do that. But um, even, even at half, even if, you know, at, at uh, $14 million a year, that's still a pretty big investment for Samarja. But, I mean, Samarja's a weird guy because he has incredible stuff. And his numbers are good, but he just never seems to win. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, like, the win-loss stat is right. whatever, but, like, sometimes it doesn't even seem like he puts his team in a position. No, exactly. Uh, yeah, I'm not talking about just win-loss. I'm just talking about he seems to get hit and, uh, at inopportune times. Yeah, and, and I'm not a – he was never very good in the American League comparatively to the National yeah. League, which is a lot of pitchers as well. So um, I don't think – I don't see that happening. I mean, it, it's never going to – the trades that they're going to make now, they're not going to wow you by any means. But, no, but the other thing is that sometimes those trades that don't wow you are the ones that make, that make I, all the difference. Ben Gamble was a trade yeah. that I was like, who is this guy and why do they yeah. need him? You know? the, the one I always point to is a few years ago, the Giants picked up Marco Scudero. Do you remember him? Yeah. And uh, from Colorado – and put him at second base, and and it was it was a trade that nobody noticed. He ended up hitting 360 with 40 RBIs down the stretch. I mean, he's the reason they got to the World Series that year, or, or a big reason. So, you know, sometimes the under the radar trades are above the radar when it all uh, plays out. I like that under the radar and above the radar. I might use that in the uh, oh, column gosh, tomorrow. Yes. I'm gonna write, keep, write that down. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Would you any thoughts on the road trip? Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, you know, you were there. I was watching on TV. It was fun to watch, particularly that first game against the Astros. That, that was, was the best game I've seen all year. Yeah, that was. I mean, not fun to write. It <laughs> was the best game all year. My my wife, who, you know, she she doesn't follow the Mariners very closely, but she was riveted by that game. We were sitting on the couch watching that thing. Uh, it, you know, it reminded me of the Verlander game, but as far as uh, you know, important wins. But I think that I put this one ahead of that. First of all, it was a back and forth game. The Verlander game was bad, and then it turned good. Um, but uh, I mean, the, the the plays by Segura in the ninth, or was that the tenth or the ninth? Ninth, yeah, that was those were incredible. I mean, those those that 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 that's a game that we'll look back on if they get to the playoffs and say that was a a key turning point type game, and. You know they I, they were dominant against the the White Sox in a lot of ways. You know the bullpen and uh, things. It's what they had to have. I mean yeah. to, to to keep the season flickering with hope. Uh, they needed to come out strong because, like I said, if you if they'd gone uh, two and four or something, it's a whole different conversation we're having. You're you're look you're talking about who maybe you're dumping at this time instead of what you're adding. Yeah, it's. I'm trying to think what the nine seven game was crazy. I thought the way they answered every time, and and honestly, look, I've covered a lot of games at Minute Park, and Service called it arena baseball because it's so little over there. At no point did I think the Mariners were going to win that game. Yeah. None. I mean, especially they go out and they get five off McCullers and then still find themselves down at one point in the game or tied. And I'm thinking that in just how those games have gone in, in Houston, I thought that somebody was going to gack it up. And, you know, Pezos tried really hard, <laughs> really, really hard. But I thought that, you know, the resiliency, they get down, um, they hit, Cruz hits the tying homer, Zanino hits the go-ahead homer, you think they're going to win, they get down again, they make some plays. I mean, the ninth inning was totally absurd. One, you're bringing Gallardo in in a situation he's never been in. Right. Then he gives up a leadoff double to to Redick, and you're thinking this is the most prolific offense in baseball, and they've got the leadoff runner on second, 
and they managed not to score him. It was, well, I guess they had Aoki. It did. Pinch ran for Aoki at that point, so Aoki came up in the DH spot. So that hurt him a little bit. Um, but I thought that was good. I thought Diaz, the reemergence of Edwin Diaz, four straight saves, and then, get, what did he say, five out of six on that trip? Yeah, yeah. He only missed one game. And the the I think that was the night that Diaz was – Absolutely unhittable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was his done. I, I, I tweeted out that that's as good as I've seen him. Maybe I'm forgetting some of his early games, but I mean, he had good hitters just flailing yeah, helplessly. That was it. the third game in, in the White Sox. He went okay, through. That's right, yeah, yeah, third game of the White Sox. He went through um, Jose Abreu. Yeah. That's uh, right. Todd Frazier and Avisel Garcia, and he needed 11 pitches to yeah. strike out the side. Yeah. And then, I mean, yeah, really good hitters who just were were completely overmatched. I mean, because he got ahead early, and then he then he just had him eating out of his hand, and that's the that's the Diaz that you know that that was what you dream about when we were writing all our stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's just coming back now. Yeah. Don't don't be saying I'm a jinx, <laughs> damn it. Yeah, uh, we were writing about how he was the next great uh, thing in baseball, and it didn't look so good for a while. But um, you know, you just hope that he didn't maybe get too much use there. For, you know, you don't want to use a guy five times in six days. Uh, he, I, I'm sure he'd love to have a blowout tonight, so we could give him another day's rest. But I'm sure he'll be back out there if it's four to three in the ninth or whatever. Um, and uh, yeah, that's huge for them. And the bullpen fell together really well in that White Sox series. Uh, yeah. You know, Vincent deserves a little bit of uh, a talk from us. I mean, he's he hasn't given up a run all year at home. Um, it's just kind of hard to figure why. You know, last year I remember Jerry saying, "Just what a high." Uh, sort of hard to fathom strikeout rate that he has. It's like like a like a fireballer, but he's not. But something about his stuff is got hit swing and miss ability, and, uh, and you know he's carried it over this year. He's been a huge guy, Cshek uh, and Zick and uh, and Diaz. That's a pretty good that's a pretty good back end. I thought the big thing, um, obviously, yes, Vincent was good. I mean, when you when you can line them up, when Service was able to line them up, and then have you know go situational at times if he needed to. I thought that was big. I thought, you know, Zepchinski hadn't thrown the ball very well, and he got a little bit of extended work in the Chicago series. And then when he came back and struck out Carlos Beltran the other day, that was the best he'd thrown in a yeah. while. I thought that was big for him. You know, Pezos was a little shaky. I think they're going to have that. He's still a rookie. But, no, I, that was important. I mean, I just thought they played better overall. They didn't make a bunch of stupid mistakes. They still had some running stuff, but nothing quite like – you know the Keystone Cops that they were in the beginning <laughs> of the season, um, you know, and then I think Seager hitting three home runs in five games—that's yeah. that's a really good sign. I thought he swung the bat pretty well, and you know it was funny he was he beat out those infield hits too, which you never expect. Yeah, but I think yeah, the, I think they're playing well. So now we get to this homestand: ten games, four against the Yankees, three against the Red Sox, three against the Mets, and then after those ten games, the Mariners go on a stretch of 27 games where 21 of them are on the road. I'm, I'm going to need you to check on my apartment while I'm gone, <laughs> get my mail, you know, water my cactus and um, bamboo plants. <laughs> sure, anytime, as long as I can uh, watch the eight TVs that you have set up. Yeah, well, in the old days, you would have done about nine-tenths of this trip anyway, so it's just like... Um, That's why they need to they, they need to make hay on this, this homestand because it's going to get tough. And, you know, the Yankees are in free fall, you know, the Yankees are ahead of them in the wild card, but they've lost, what, like 21 to 28 or something like yeah, that? And the Red Sox aren't playing well either. No, and the, the Mets are a bad team this year, so it's not like... It's like when they play the Phillies, you know, you should yeah. win these games. <laughs> right, yeah, and that shows that you don't just win them 
because the other team is bad, you've got to, you know, if you get DeGrom, you know, they, the Mets aren't winning, but they have a couple of pitchers who can overpower you still. Well, same like tonight, Yankees are sending Severino to the Mets. Yeah, so right. Yeah, there's, when, on certain nights when they have certain pitchers, they're as good as anybody. So 10 games, what do they have to go over the 10? We're playing that game. We're going to try and remember the math on this again. Yeah. Don't mess up the math. 10 I could handle. Uh, well, that's only what we can I'm just trying. You never know. Uh, 14 and 3. <laughs> uh, Six and four, I think. I mean, let's be. Yeah, I mean, six and four is fine. Six and four, that's six hundred baseball. Um, I mean, that that would put you in good shape. Seven, I think seven and three is ideal, and that'd be the the Mm -hmm. ideal. It's and six and four would be great. Look, the Red Sox can hit, and I don't, I haven't seen who's projected. But if they get Sale or somebody, then their life gets a little more miserable. And if you're playing the Yankees, look, the the starting pitching is not good. Um, You know, uh, thoughts and prayers for Michael. Pineda's yeah. UCL. Rest in peace yeah. on your UCL, Michael yeah. Pineda. Um, but their starting pitching is not good. That's why they went out and got. Well, they needed Frazier for third base, but you know, getting Tommy Canely and, and David Robertson, they needed that because they know that their bullpen or their their starting pitching isn't very good. So they had to backload their bullpen, similar to the Mariners. Uh, so and Canely was really tough on the on the yeah. Mariners in Chicago. So was Robertson. So they should get up early because you don't really want to. And you know, Batances, but. Yeah. Yankees can hit, and the Red Sox can hit as well. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, be interesting to see how Felix does tonight. He gets up for the uh, he gets up for the Yankees and the Red Sox, and I, I guess would he face? He probably face the Red Sox as well if he pitches tonight. So um, yeah, I do the math on that too. Yeah. Or a... <laughs> I think I'm pretty. I'm going to go on record. Yeah, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Yeah. He, so uh, you know, they need if Paxton and Felix are are. Strong, everything else kind of falls into place. Uh, you know, you get that one two punch, and then uh, you get a couple other guys who are okay, and you can you can work with that. So, I'm I'm really anxious. I mean, Paxson looks like he's emerging as that go to ace that kind of let he was about a month and a half ago, yeah. and then he got hurt. Then but. he got hurt. You hope he you know, you hope he doesn't get hurt again, but if he stays healthy, I don't see why he can't be that guy down the stretch. and, and that's a, that's a big luxury for this team. If he can go seven strong every five days, and Felix goes six strong, let's be you know we don't want to put too yeah, much burden on him. Then that's that's a pretty good place to start. Uh, but you know the Yankees are in the same boat as the Mariners. They, like you said, they they got the bullpen fortification, and they're looking for a starter too. And they really need one now with Pineda going down. You know, CC Sabathia is who knows. You know, you're just praying with him each time out. He's numbers have been pretty good but he's not the cc of old by any means um tanaka has been bad this year too. tanaka yeah they're uh, yeah you know they're they're shaky in their starting they, they got a great bullpen when uh, i don't know is chapman even active now or is he still i don't in the know DL? i have but no he's idea been, i know he's been hasn't been the chapman of old but they've got enough depth uh to, to survive that with Batansis and robertson there's two two closer type guys to go with chapman yeah, they, I, I think the Mariners, for whatever reason, they're better when they score a little early. They just yeah. they, they feed off it. And I think we've talked about it before, but that that overriding fear, that idea that they're always going to give up three runs no matter what, is is there. And we were talking about this with Gavilio earlier. It's not just that he goes five innings and, and taxes the bullpen and his start. It's that they know that that's probably what they're going to get from him. So then they're making mm-hmm. moves the day before, not using guys, knowing that you might only get five the next day. So I, I think they need to kind of shore that up. Yeah. And the thing about Gallardo, I mean, if that's what ends up happening and he goes back into the rotation, is that he, yeah, at least he gives you, he gives you 
uh, distance. He uh, he he um, he could go. He he. he Regularly went six, six inning and even into the seventh. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. Yeah. It was just usually that one bad inning, and maybe the bullpen stint will help. Would help him change that. Uh, I think there's better options than going back to Gallardo. I, I like him what he where he's been, but um, you know, uh, it'd be interesting. I think if the if the choice was another start from Gavilio and a start from Gallardo, I'd probably prefer Gallardo at this point. Wow, that's not really something you expect to say at this point <laughs> in the season. All right, that's good. We're going to wrap it up because we got to go talk with players and coaches and stuff. Thanks for listening to this week's Extra Rings podcast. Big thanks to Larry Stone for coming on. Thanks to the house band of the Extra Rings podcast, Midnight Salvage Company out of Tacoma, for providing the music, the bumpers, all that good stuff. Um, we'll try and do this again next week or sooner than that. But anyways, thanks for listening. And if you need to get a hold of me, obviously, you can hit me up on email at rdivish at Seattle Times or on Twitter at Ryan Divish. I also have a professional Facebook page. Yeah, you can look it up. Big old picture of my smiling mug. So, again, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.